Good evening, and welcome to A Journey Through Into Awareness. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. George Andow, and Judy Miller, of course, is here with us. And as always, we're always grateful that you join us each week. We're always grateful for those that find our time here with you. Soulful, meaningful, and that it adds something to your life. As a child, I was always, and still am, very sensitive. Um, I would watch Lassie, for those of you old enough to remember Lassie. I would cry my eyes out where my mother would say to me, because Lassie would always get hurt or something, always find her way home. It was a, it was a, a collie. And I would cry my eyes out and my mother would say, that's it. You're not watching this anymore. You, you're too upset. <laughs> um, I felt everything so deeply and still do. So we have an incredible woman here with us tonight. And she's going to help us dissect the many different levels of sensitivity. And she's written a book. And my incredible friend, Judy Miller, is going to be introducing her. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Georgianne. And I think one of the reasons why we get along so well is I believe I'm as sensitive as well, but in a different way. And I think Courtney and Courtney's going to explain the different types of sensitives. So, Courtney, Marcasani is the author of Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive, and she's the developer of the Highly Sensitive Gift Test, which Georgianne and I both took. Her insights into sensitivity help readers identify their gifts of intuition, empathy, vision, and expression to maximize their potential while also learning how former trauma may have shaped them. Courtney was accepted to the Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies for her original work into the afterlife. She has spent the past 20 years exploring the research gap that exists between what medical science believes and how the gifted sensitive feels. Courtney is known for her intuitive and empathic style, which emphasizes acceptance, learning how sensitivities, silent effects can impact mental, emotional, spiritual health, as well as wellness. So we're so excited to have you here with us, Courtney. Welcome to Journey Through to Awareness. Wow. Thank you. What an intro. I feel very blessed and very grateful to be here. Thank you so much for the wonderful intro. And it's it's all true. It's all true. Everything that you said. <laughs> It can all be be done. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here. And you know, I really love the introduction in your book. Your daughter said that it feels like sensitivity is a dirty word. So for our listeners, what is your definition of sensitivity? And actually, are we all born with it? Well, she said that because I was untangling it myself, right? And how do I use words to describe this phenomenon and what it encompasses? And and she came back with that. Well, it sounds like it's a dirty word. And I thought it was so on point because we really do hear when we're sensitive that it's a problem for others. And it has been stigmatized in that way, that it's a problem. But I look at the flip side of it and the beautiful part of it as well. So sensitivity was studied in the 90s. You know, it's we're one in four, one in five people. So 20% of the population is sensitive. It's clinically understood as a sensory awareness. So you perceive more information through your senses than other people in the general population. But you also respond faster to what you're perceiving emotionally. And so that part, the second part is called emotional reactivity. So sensitive people are kind of known by that emotional reactivity piece, but what it means is we have these intense, powerful experiences. We perceive more and have more depth perception in our environment. So we get more information, but we might not necessarily know it. That's how I describe it. Fascinating. That's a very interesting way to to describe it. And for sensitive people, I would imagine, because as a psychoanalyst, um, most of us react to our feelings. We want to get rid of them. So we react very quickly. And as a sensitive individual, we must try a little harder and learn through processes to hold those feelings so that we choose how to react to them instead of react off the cuff. Well, I'm sure you know this. There is a problem in our medical model 
that exists where when people have physical symptoms that yeah. aren't able to be diagnosed through a traditional diagnostic picture, then they get referred to psychiatry, essentially, because doctors say, well, this is must be emotional. This must be unresolved emotional issues or disruption of emotions. So they'll refer people who they can't really diagnose to the field of psychiatry. And so in that field, you you get referred for things like anxiety or mental health related issues, but even still, sensitivity can fall through the cracks in that process because not everybody learns when they go through medical school or psychiatry or psychology what sensitivity is. And so it's kind of like having to back engineer it to some degree when you're trying to figure it out. Now, people psychotherapists and therapists and counselors and educators and teachers are becoming more aware of what it is yeah. but it's still there's a lot of subtle nuances in the medical model and so a lot of people don't find relief in the medical system well that's why I'm very grateful oh, I'm a naturopath also but that's why I'm very grateful that I'm a psychoanalyst and I'm not a therapist and I'm not a a psychiatrist I work very right. differently and always I uh, work with my patients to help them realize that there's no such thing as too sensitive. It doesn't exist. There is no such thing. It's what you do with your feelings. Absolutely. I agree with you. It's a powerful, powerful ability to have such deep feelings. I think sometimes we do see in that stigmatizing that it is, um, you know, it is a way to kind of put sensitive people in a box but it's so much more than that. There are so many different abilities that come from those deep, powerful emotions for intuition, intuition, for example. Yeah. Intuition comes about because sensitive people are dealing with such complex emotions. And I know you know this, but emotions are one of the most difficult things for our brain to process, one of the most yeah. complex things for our brain to process. And so when you become more adept at handling these deep feelings, you get more intuition, you get more benefits through that processing. I know I know you know that. I'm talking I'm speaking to oh, the choir. <laughs> well, abs actually, I'm delighted that uh, I'd love to uh spend time with you off off the radio station. I'm sure I can learn so much from you. And tonight, of course, we're here for our listeners. Right. So everything you say is of great importance and we appreciate every bit of uh, knowledge you bring and you bring so much Courtney thank you well thank you I you know I, I I get passionate you know I get lit up and I get excited about talking about it because it's um, it's been such a long time working on it you know and, and reading all the studies and and talking about it and I really do feel like this book was my way of providing something as a service to people who are sensitive so that they were looking for resources, it would be something that they might find along the way in their own journey. Everybody has their own journey with sensitivity. Yes, and I think you did a great job. And I think that's why your book is so fascinating because there's so much information and resources for people who are sensitive. So before we actually jump into what some of those are, can you explain to our listeners the different types of sensitives? I believe they're intuition, empathy, vision, and expression. And uh, Dr. Georgian and I did take it beforehand. Um, so for our listeners who want to know what type of sensitive they are, they can definitely go to Courtney's website, inspiredpotentials.com. So the interesting thing about the test is that it is kind of a psychometric test that delineates four different types of giftedness of sensitivity. And so that that hasn't really been done. It, it's never been done where you've seen the umbrella of sensitivity and then the patterns. Now, Jung did talk about different personality types, but this is a bit different. So I'll just preface that because we have a psychoanalyst <laughs> on the call. I'm not the first one that have done this, but it's it's different in the way that I did it. So there's four types that I delineated. Intuition, we kind of mentioned. Intuitive people are able to process an, uh, an extreme amount of information very quickly. They are balancing their conscious and their unconscious and getting answers with lightning quick speed. They don't necessarily know how they're getting it. It's not a logical thought process. It comes through an intuitive process. So it's getting to A to Z without knowing how or why. That's a really good way to describe intuition. It, it, you, they come unbidden. Answers are there. And the intuitive knows they're right on the money, even though they don't know how or why. 
Okay, so that's intuitive, but they're also not just getting those answers intuitively for themselves. They're also looking at the big picture. They're looking at the world at large. They're seeing different interconnections that other people don't necessarily pick up or see. They follow their passions. They follow their own intuition into areas that are interesting to them. And then they have this amazing ability to make connections. So they look at multiple kinds of system thinking and they have a way of connecting it all. They're also disruptors. So they find out what socially is uh, maybe happening in a system and they provide solutions. That's what I, I think that's why um, I think this is why I'm gifted in my work for exactly what you just said. That helps me so much. Oh, good. I'm so I, glad. I, and I'm so, so glad you recognize it and that it okay. validates me. You know, when I hear okay. people say, oh, that's me, you know, I wanted to be able to have people perceive the information, but go, yeah, because there are really practical practical okay. things you can do to enhance the gifts. Yeah. Um, so I'm gl so glad to hear you say that. The second one is empath, the empaths. The empaths are the ones who actually feel sensations in their mind and body from others. It sounds unbelievable, but it's totally true that the empaths tend to feel, I call it thoughtful feelings sometimes, but mostly through their sensations of others, they can feel their emotions in their own mind and body which is profound right there. But then when you start to dig into that capacity, they can feel the motivations of others. They can feel currents, emotional currents in different rooms and environments. They deeply connect with animals, nature. Yes, I mean, yes. it goes, empaths are, yes, uh, it's a fascinating gift. Then I go into the third gift, which is visionaries. So visionaries have a very adept um, visual field where they have a, in their mind's eye, they're able to see um, with their imagination or their sensory awareness, spatial. It's a spatial awareness. So it's a spatial intelligence. So through their visual mental field, they're able to do problem solving. They're incredible problem solvers. They're always turning things over in their visual field, working on them. So they're engineers, they're cinematographers, they're, um, they, there's a mapping function with visual, um, with their spatial awareness so they can see maps, cartography, uh, directions, navigation. I mean, it's incredible how when you start to break into the gifts and look at the subtle nuances, how they evolve. Then there's the expressives. So the expressives are the ultimate creators. They are, when they're in their environment, they're connecting deeply with the harmony and the beauty of their environment. They're very perceptive about the quality of meaning. And so they are really adept at having aesthetic sensitivity. When I did all the research, a sub-factor in sensitivity was called aesthetic. So they have this aesthetic sensitivity and in their in their reality, they have a tendency to synthesize, synthesize all this beauty and harmony that they perceive and bring it through their expression. So it's writers, painters, dancers, the ultimate creators. And each gift has these subtle nuances. So they express themselves in different ways. Yes. So Courtney, Courtney, that's interesting because when I took the test, I actually came back as an expressive, oh. um, which I wasn't really sure about because one of the things that I can do is I can actually sense and feel different energies around me. Okay. And, you know, as a child, it terrified me. Um, sure. And also loud noises, um, loud people, um, smells. It's actually very hypersensitive. So it's interesting. Oh, yes. It's interesting how when when the hypersensitivity kicks in, it's interesting to see how you'll have this multisensory awareness, okay, is what I call it, which is basically a blending of these types of extreme, okay? So you'll see your senses heighten when you're in hypersensitivity mode. You'll have auditory where you hear more yeah. or you can smell more and so hypersensitivity is a little bit farther out on that extreme but the gifts unfold in really magnificent ways through oh. hypersensitivity sensitivity so they're they're kind of separate issues but not really because they all overlap this is so exciting <laughs> we're going to hear more from courtney when we come right back to a journey through into awareness we'll be right back thank you for joining us tonight Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. 
As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. you a conscious co-creator are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness i'm sam lebowitz your conscious consultant and on my show the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity we will touch upon all these topics and more listen live at our new time on thursdays at 12 noon eastern time that's the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity thursdays 12 noon on talkradio.nyc Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to A Journey Through Into Awareness. We're here this evening with Courtney Mark Cassani. Mark Cassani, yeah, it's a hard uh, one. I mean, even, I when, I see it, even when I see it, I still go, what? I always <laughs> want to say it in like an Italian accent. Mark Cassani. Mark Cassani. Right. Anyway, we're, we're back. Um, <laughs> You know, as part of my training, I learned to, um, and I'm certified to uh, conduct Myers-Briggs, which was Carl Jung's influence. And I saw just flavors of Myers-Briggs in parts of your work. And when I did, um, when I took the assessment uh, on your site, um, could, could, uh, could we have more than one? Yes. yes. Because I see myself in two, at least definitely two of them: the sensitive yeah. empath and the sensitive intuitive. And I'm a I'm a uh, ENFJ. Okay, I'm, I'm an INFJ. And it's funny because I took it and I was an INFJ, and I said I refused to accept that because I yeah. was so outgoing. But then I got I probably am an INFJ. So how do you well just because you're an INFJ doesn't mean you're not outgoing, but it's so interesting the way the the outgoing personality comes out in an INFJ. It's very curious. And and a lot of people say, well, I refuse to accept INFJ. It's a common thing because they feel like they're more outward. But it's it's how you do the outward thing, I think, don't you? That's how it comes about. Yeah, I agree. Yes. So I think it's funny that we have three INFJs on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's exactly. so cool. Very cool. And yeah. Courtney, due to the nature of this show, one of the things that I'd love for you to talk about is spiritual empathy. And you says it's really sensing from the heart and going beyond the ego to really ex- to experience that supreme expanded consciousness. So I'd love to hear more about that. And that's Absolutely. really what we're about here. Absolutely. And, you know, Jung talked about the transcendent function, you know, and he's one of the people that I always rely on for this because he talks about how the ego will dissolve when you get into those more expansive states of awareness. So for spiritual empaths, it really does show up that way. It's totally beyond regular everyday consciousness. It's a wide open expansiveness, feelings of joy, bliss states and it doesn't have to be doing like ecstatic dance it's it's empaths spiritual empaths feel this feeling when they're doing things that they love to do 
So it could even be um, a lot of times it's connecting with others. You know, if you're a counselor, you know, spiritual empath, it'll be through that deep connection with another person's soul that they feel that feeling, that deep ecstatic bliss. But it's also in other pursuits that spiritual empaths choose to do. It could be it could be any pursuit, really, any type of artistic um, anything where they're immersing their attention fully in something they love to do, they will feel more bliss, more ecstasy, more connectedness, that transcendent feeling that goes beyond the ego and connects with the all, with the all that is. Spiritual empaths can go there. Um, I think that's one of the things that really delineates them from other types of empaths is they feel a connection to God or divine or goddess. And... Um, and they can embody that and then they can bring it through them they can kind of channel it through them and other people feel it when they're around them so it's it's a it's a great it's a great thing for our societies to have spiritual empaths working in communities and connecting in um, service culture and helping their communities because they're doing work for a higher purpose absolutely and isn't so, isn't that uh, also your heart Definitely. I see. I mean, I, I, I have to it. say, I mean, I used to be an atheist. And so I, I was, when I was younger, I was really just totally psychology, mind, you know, body was all there was. And, but then I had profound experiences that made me change my mind about the spiritual part. So I definitely feel like I'm a spiritual empath. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Courtney, one of the things that I found so fascinated and resonated so much with me in the book is for most of my life, I had this irrational fear of the dark. Um, And I mentioned before that I can feel and sense different energies. And what I read in your book was about the science of epigenetics, that, you know, we can actually inherit the pain and the trauma from our parents as well as our ancestors. And one of the things that you mentioned in your book is that sometimes that intergenerational trauma could actually switch on that sensitivity. So could you expand a little bit about that? Yes. This was many years researching this. And so I am glad you brought it up because in some cultures, it, it, it has been known. It has been known that trauma gets passed down intergenerationally, but we didn't know that in, you know, modern science until about 10 years ago when they started to study, you know, genomics and DNA and epigenetics. And so I was watching and already researching trauma and already asking myself, well, what genes get turned on and off? So there was a lot of research 10 years ago that was doing, um, you know, different types of cancer, different types of diabetes that were looking at the genetic part of it, but that hadn't really resolved the traumatic piece. And they finally found through different studies that that part of it does get turned on through epigenetics. And so the study that I mentioned in the book that is fascinating is the one about um, the Stanford Research Institute. Did you read that study about how intuitive people... Um, they put about 100 people in an MRI that were considered intuitive, and they actually found physiological neuroanatomical changes in the intuitive sample size. It was in the caudate putamen, and there was thickened white matter that allowed these intuitives to be more intuitive, to make faster judgments, faster decisions. But not only that, they also had anomalous experiences like what you're talking about, where they sensed a presence or they saw things that other people did not see, you know, discarnate spirits or what would we call hallucinations, right, in psychiatry. But anomalous phenomenon, essentially, hearing voices. And so they found out that these were actually epigenetic changes that happened in family bloodlines because they followed the hundred people and then they went wider and looked at their families and they found the same changes. Yeah, that's so fantastic. It is, because that's the part that the science is showing us. Because in traditions, ancient traditions, traditional medicine, especially in China and Chinese medicine, they had this all along. But it was it was never addressed. You know, Chinese medicine is very old. It gets passed down. But they had this in their medicine for a long time that there is trauma that gets passed down in families. And it's addressed through a certain model there. But it didn't come over to the West. And so in some societies, this has been known that ancestral traumatic experience gets passed down into the lineage. Yeah, It's just yeah. taken Western science a lot longer to catch up in that way, in the scientific way. Mm-hmm. Now, I certainly don't have the background that you do in this, but I was of the understanding, because I, I took courses at UCLA, that um, ep- they used to consider epigenetics, epigenomes, junk DNA. 
But what they found now is that they're just not coded. So the reason I'm even bringing this up is that we have the ability through lifestyle changes, patterns of change of thought, diet, exercise, what we were brought up with, those of you that know me, you know, our pre-talking experience and how we come from that blueprint and how through awareness, we're able to shift that blueprint and change those epigenomes into a new flavor, a new ability to perceive. Mm-hmm. Yes? Absolutely. I mean, it makes me think of that one quintessential study that was done on epigenetics with the agouti mice. They took agouti mice, right? And the mom and the mom was, you know, bigger, fatter because they fed her, you know, they fed her, you know, stuff to make her genes turn on. And then they studied her babies and the babies had, you know, a similar color, but that's how they started to study the gene and the epigenetic stuff that gets turned on because the mice had different genes, epigenetic changes because of the mother. And so it's interesting. The Goody mice study is exactly like where that started to happen through the genome and mapping the genome and then doing these very fine studies on the epigenetics. And you can see that the environment does change the genes. Mm-hmm. So with trauma, it does change the genes. You don't know where along the line the sens- sensitivity gene got turned on. You know, but I do think that that work will be done in the future where they'll start to track epigenetics for sensitivity like the like the Stanford research study. Well, they're they're going to start, you know, trying to fine tune that and see where along the line they can now. They can be It is very exciting. You know, one of the studies that I thought was interesting as well with mice is when they introduced the scent of cherry blossoms and then they would zap the mice on the feet. And then after a while, they would just introduce the smell of cherry blossoms and the mice would still have that panic and the fear. But what was interesting is just the scent of cherry blossoms would trigger the same fear in their offspring and their offspring's offspring. It's Um, the same. Yes, it's the same type of concept where you have the adversive stimulus and the adversive stimulus, when it's very powerful, evokes the response. And so Mm -hmm. if you think about trauma and you think about PTSD and you think about those reactions that we get when anything horrific happens, right? The unthinkable, then that trains the body and the mind in a certain way. So the children can either be, that can be a predisposition for them or not. So with sensitivity, it's really interesting because some kids are more sensitive when they're born. Some parents don't have as much sensitivity or not at all. And so sometimes you'll see a sensitive kid get born to parents and you're like, what happened here? It's the genetic ancestral inheritance that's being passed down. So the kid had a predisposition and then that's where the sensitivity shows up. So then, that's why I wrote the book is to help parents as well. I mean, it's not for absolutely. parents, but, you know, to educate folks about, oh, I might have a sensitive kid. You know, Courtney, we do have to take a break um, momentarily, but one of the things that we would love for you to continue discussing after the break is that you mentioned in your book that sometimes when children don't bond with their parents, they could actually create that, that develop that sense of heightened sensitivity as well. Sure. Yeah, that's great. So much to look forward to. We'll be right back to a journey through into awareness with Courtney. We'll be right back. Uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. 
Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back. For those of you possibly just joining us in the middle of our show, this is A Journey Through Into Awareness, and we're here with Courtney Marcusani. So, Courtney, one of the things you were asking you before the break is when attachment at a young age to our parents is disrupted, how can that actually affect a child's uh, sensitivities? Well, attachment is such a huge thing. And so when we're, yeah, when we're not attached to our parents for whatever reason, whether there is a separation, you know, physically or an illness or, you know, life demands, the child responds in a way searching sensorially, searching sensorially for the connection, right? Sending all that energy out through the senses to find that attachment connection. And parent is not mindfully attuning to the child. A parent is present, but they're not mindfully attuning to the child with attention. The child aims to seek out that safety. So when the child is seeking for safety, the, the sensors become more and more and more acute. Unfortunately, um, Courtney, your awareness becomes more acute. Courtney, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? There's a slight interruption. Shoot. Yeah. Well, we'll just wait a second. I think it'll catch up. But we love what you're talking about. about. Yes, we can hear you. We love what you're talking about. So please continue. Um, so if there's not a, a clear, consistent connectivity with the parent, which is an attachment and paying mindful attention to the child and attuning to the child with direct attention, the child knows that and seeks to find the parent through their senses because the senses develop first when we're in utero and when we come out. So the senses are the first thing, right? Through childhood development that we have to find safety and detect safety in our environment. So when a parent is not present, children will use their sensory awareness more often to feel that sense of safety. So we become more sensitive when there is a lack of an attachment because we're attuning all the time, trying to find it, trying to find the safety and detect it and feel safe in our environment. Would you consider that a form of trauma? Yes. I absolutely do. And even absolutely. to the subtlety, the subtlety of the parent paying mindful attention. Right. It's the attentional aspect. When there's absolutely. the attentional aspect isn't there, the child will seek to feel that connectivity from the parent. And yes. so even if you have a parent who's home but really unwell, right. or maybe they have a chronic illness, and so they can't mindfully attuned and pay mindful attention to their child, the child is still seeking that. Absolutely. Safety Beautiful. with their parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Courtney, for people who are sensitive, how can we learn to establish appropriate boundaries? Well, I think a lot of times when, especially for the empaths, for the gifted empaths, it's it's very difficult to discern that initially. So you have to be able to 
detect me from not me because empaths literally especially the gifted empaths who are far out there on the spectrum they cannot filter <laughs> they cannot filter that energy out they don't know how to i mean it's just it is a gift but it's also um a double edge so you have to discern me my own feelings my own sense of awareness versus someone else and that can take a while so my first thing is to figure out your own energy your own awareness versus others and that takes time but always i like to tell people is especially have a bit of advice if you're around other people and you're suddenly hit with a wave it's, it feels like an oncoming wave that just takes over you especially grief where you just feel sadness but you're not sure why it's always good to take a step back take a walk get remove yourself from the room and if you feel equilibrium where you feel better or you feel brighter or your mood changes you can know that that was you picking up on somebody else's energy mm. so it's those kind of practical techniques that you have to employ a lot when you're an empath or an intuitive because you need to be able to detect okay that's them that's their boundaries and they might be over it in my own physical space or energetic space and so it becomes about grounding physically grounding yourself it becomes about being able to perceive and detect me versus not me and then it becomes about doing that therapeutic work mm -hmm. routinely self-care practices that are therapeutic to help you become more resilient when you're around others because unfortunately you can't you can't change your central nervous system. Mm -hmm. You cannot change the fact that you're a deep empath mm -hmm. or an intuitive, but you can work with it and become more resilient being around other people. It's mm -hmm. totally possible. Mm -hmm. Very good. Beautiful. So, so Courtney, I've had some, um, you know, I've gone through some past life regressions and had some memories of past lives. So what exactly is sensitive vision? <sighs> Sensitive vision is the ability to, with that mind's eye, okay, however you want to, however you want to catalog that, the mind's eye extends beyond just visual perception when you're awake. So it can also be working for you when you're asleep or when you're in altered states. Sometimes people have described um, seeing themselves in other lives. Some people have described near-death experiences where they expand beyond their physical body and their vision is the only sense they have left. And so visually they're able to see themselves, see their the afterlife or the Eden space that they're brought to. So the visual sensory awareness remains regardless. I mean, so you have people that have visual sensory awareness that are blind, right? They have, you know, Charles Bonney syndrome is a syndrome of individuals of elderly that start to see things appear, right? So that is a visual awareness, but they're blind. And so I'd like to take away some of the like traditional thinking around visual sensory perception because a lot of th times we just think that's, well, what's in front of us. But visual sensory awareness go be goes beyond the physical. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, kind, it's kind of a hard esoteric concept to understand, but sometimes the visual sensory awareness is what is left, even through profound consciousness changes. That's a good way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Could it also be audio sensory awareness? Yes, it's auditory. So there's a thing called auditory intuition. So people who have auditory intuition get a lot of their answers through sound. So they're sound sensitive. Mm -hmm. And that sound sensitivity usually goes throughout their whole life where they're sensitive mm -hmm. to sounds. But the way that it works through the intuitive capacity is that they'll receive answers through sound or they get promptings, auditory promptings. And so it's a knowing that comes through auditorially. Mm -hmm. And Courtney, I think that's one of the reasons why I love the work that you're doing. I know that in the past, sometimes when people say that they hear things, Oftentimes, people think it's a sign of mental illness. Yes. yes. Yeah, well, I have a good mental health background. And so the thing that is interesting about auditory intuition is it's not pathological. And so a lot of people get confused about things like a hallucination or a delusion or, you know, these things that we attribute to mental illness. Whereas these types of intuitive and empathic experiences are not pathological. So they don't amount to a mental illness diagnosis or a lifestyle that they are not able to live. They're not able to live or cope with their life. Now, do they get complex? Yes, they get very complex. Do they get hard to, hard to cope with? 
Yes. And the reason why is because sometimes you get so much profound information through these sensory channels that it's hard to take it all in. I had one teacher, she was an FBI profiler. I wrote about her in the book where she described we're in a little cafe in Livingston, Montana, and we're just sitting there having a latte and she just gets hit with this information. Very intuitive, very empathic. And she said, sometimes I just get hit with a fire hose of information. And I thought that was a great way to explain it. She perceived it like a huge stream. And so I asked her, well, how do you cope with all that information coming in? And she said, it's like a, ra a wave. You mm -hmm. just shut it down. You just ride the wave. So the part that I do that I think is very beneficial about the teaching is how to teach, to deal with it, how to cope on what it looks like, what it feels like. So people don't feel like they have a mental illness because that is a lot of times where we go, unfortunately. Right. Oh, I'm sick or I'm crazy or, you know, I'm so reactive all the time. People are calling me crazy. Maybe I am. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you're sensitive. You know, like yes. that's my advocacy approach. It really is. It's, it's a common yes. sense approach, um, yep. but it's taken me a lot of years to get here to kind of know those subtle differences. And I know my own limitations. And if I get referred by, by somebody who's who is dealing with a mental health issue, then I refer them appropriately. Right. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, because mental illness, you know, it is real. It, it, it is real, sadly. And, and, you know, I'm not against psychopharmacology and all those, you know, traditional Western medicine things that can really help. Courtney, one of the things that you said was so important was self-care. And I know that the back portion of your book talks about things that sensitives can do. Um, can you go through some of them? One of them, you know, Georgian knows that I love breath work, and I know that you have a whole section on pranayama. So is there something that you can teach our listeners? Sure. Four, seven, eight is one of the best, best breath techniques to stop a panic attack. And so in my coaching practice in the clinic that I work, if I ever get referred to somebody with somebody who has anxiety, I always teach four, seven, eight. So let's do four, seven, eight. Great. Ready? Yep. Breathing in one, two, three, four and hold for seven and breathing out. For eight. One more time. Breathing in. Four. Count. Hold. Breathing out through your mouth. Four, eight, seven. It's so relaxing. It takes any kind of anxiety and just wipes it away. Resets the nervous system. Puts you into parasympathetic nervous system response. And you can feel the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very so, calming. Yeah. Yeah. So breathing for any kind of panic, any kind of anxiety, any kind of um, unprocessed emotional uh, high energy activation, breathing is one of the best stepping stones. Yeah. And that's the second thing is grounding. Yeah. The second thing is grounding. I mean, they sound simple, but they're powerful tools. Grounding, grounding through your seat, grounding in your feet, walking around at home barefooted to really feel the earth is so grounding. Yeah, I actually saw one of your previous interviews. And, and one of the things that I love to do is I love to do central channel breathing while I'm walking in nature or exercising. So one of the things that you described was, you know, the benefits of actually combining, you know, breath work as well as being out in nature. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Movement meditations are wonderful. They did a study in Japan on highly sensitive uh, academics who were experiencing depression and, and movement and exercise reduced their depression. Yeah, they markedly. found that with, with Alzheimer's also. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. 
On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to A Journey Through and to Awareness. And we are here with Chelsea speaking about her wonderful book, The Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive. Very interesting material. And she talks about so much more here on our show tonight. And, you know, every week we have really wonderful people on. We're so blessed that God sends us all these great people and we desire them and they come and, and they offer all of us a new perspective on life to make our lives more whole and better. I love your work so much. I really do, Chelsea. Well, really great you. work. Really great work. So in your book, you talk about some paranormal um, material. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think that there are there's confusion around experiences. And so they're called paranormal, they're called supernatural, they're called supernormal, they're called super mundane, they're called exceptional, anomalous, you know, abnormal. I mean, so it depends on the type of experience that it is, but people who are in that extreme of sensitivity tend to have more anomalous experiences so they do hear voices right whether it's an intuition that's leading them a certain way or providing spiritual direction it does seem to be consistent or they will have a visual a visual perception that's different in others and that there's like a light um vibration that's the best way to describe it that can appear Right. And so it could be an image. It could be an image of a loved one who's passed. It could be an image of something else. It could be a hypnagogic image that happens before you wake up where you see something right in front of the visual field. So these type of experiences are called anomalous because they depart from the traditional normal normal sensory experience that most of us have. They go out into the far end of the spectrum. I was having a, a naturopathic um, treatment with my osteopath this was the only time this happened to me because i've had other things and as i was lying there i saw myself hovering above my body looking down i had never had anything like that before and you know i do have somewhat of a science background so i always need some sort of understanding um Mm -hmm. so i was happy to um you know look into that a little bit and see that there is um people like myself that like judy like yourself that uh you know do experience that that is called non-pathological um 
out of body. And so it's a form of your identity. You still have your identity when you have a consciousness expansion moment where you're able to perceive, right, your body, your own mind, your sense of place and time where you are, but it's a different perspective outside of the body or a veridical. Veridical perception is a type of perception where you can perceive, still perceive, but in more of an expanded state, but your identity is still intact. Not only that, you can also detect and, and pick up facts in the environment that are true, that are happening around at the same time. So that's a non-pathological type of consciousness expansion. Mm -hmm. So Courtney, that's how it would be described. You know, thank you. I thank you. I know it's a, broad, it's a broad question I'm asking. I understand. But, but your identity is still intact. You're yes. still you. Yes, absolutely. So, Courtney, we could talk to you for another hour. But before we run out of time, we want to give our listeners an opportunity to know how they could actually connect with you, learn more about you, where to get your book. Oh, my gosh, that book is like a dream come true. I'll tell you. Um, so you can find the book right online. It's it's in local libraries now. So I've, I've found out that it's in um, some libraries across the country, which is to me like totally heart and soul because that's where I used to go when I was young to my yes. local library. You can find me at inspiredpotentials.com online where I have a full website that talks about sensitivity and its effects. I also have the gifted sensitive test. So if you're curious whether you're an intuitive or an empath or a visionary, you think you fall along these lines, you can take the test. It is a little bit long. And I'm sorry about that. It's actually fairly quick, though. It took, us, well, yeah, it took it's us a little minutes. bit labor intensive. You know, you have to think about it and you're not exactly sure how to answer. So I am refining the test. Um, but if you're curious about your gift, I always encourage people to take the test and that then I send great. a nice email and I invite people to contact me if they have any questions. I always like to field any questions people might have because I want to be available to the sensitive community. So great. Do you offer courses at all to um, psychoanalysts, yeah. psychotherapists? Can, can yes. you go to that website and... Is it listed there? Yes. Well, there's there's a, a couple websites where I have classes on there. And then I also consult with therapists. I do consulting where I I talk about um, actual cases. And it depends on what part of that you're looking for. But I can definitely um, send resources for where I teach my classes. Good. So that's where I would email you at, at this um, the name of this website. Again, for those of you that might not have heard it, it's called Inspire. Inspired Potentials. That's right. Inspired mm -hmm. Potentials. That dot com. And I can be found at inspired potentials at gmail.com. It's just so much easier to do inspired potentials because people can't spell or say my name. <laughs> so yes. if you type if yeah. you type inspired potentials into Google, you will find me. And you can't miss me with the hair, right? It's like <laughs> great hair. I love her hair. Again, so inspiredpotentials.com. And it That's really right. is, it really is a short quiz to take. It's not bad at yes, all. I found it. No, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, those so did I. Courtney, you, know. you have a quote in the back. It says, to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. That sounds like a lot of responsibility. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm laying a little bit of responsibility at the feet of the sensitive people. Um. Good. that read and listen to this because I do think after we heal ourselves, right, we find our psychological wholeness and we figure out what maybe caused our trauma or what what brought our sensitivity about or even if it's a family lineage thing that got passed down, right? It's our responsibility to heal ourselves and then to help in any way possible. And so I do think sensitivity is a gift. I absolutely believe in what I'm saying and I think that that gift brings a lot of positive things like solutions, how to solve problems, how to help our societies, how to be better service people in, in our communities. And so I do kind of lay the gauntlet down in a sense, asking sensitive people to join together. Let's, mm -hmm. let's help our societies and help one another because I do think sensitivity is a powerful gift. Mm -hmm. oh, I love and I loved what you did in the book also. For, so for the four different types of sensitives, you actually named some actually rather famous people who fall into those categories. So we know that we're not yes. alone. 
Well, I watched them, right? So I I saw Daniel Day-Lewis over the years kind of have this experience when he was performing Hamlet where he had a hypnagogic image on stage. He saw his father, right? I mean, it was a it was an amazing thing to see this happen and then to kind of see him back away from it over the years. It's it's interesting how society has a way of labeling us. And so I do think this is a powerful movement that we need to be ourselves 100% and by letting people know yes there are famous people success people who have lived this experience and used their activity in positive way offers role models to see okay i can step in that left too and do things because we can yeah and I so, know that, um, yeah, yeah go ahead, Jude. I was going to say, I know that Georgianne wanted to end in a very special prayer yes. this evening. Yes. We look forward to seeing you next week, all of you that join us. And I'd like to end in prayer. So thank you for joining us tonight. And let us pray. Loving God, you fill all things with a fullness and hope that we can never comprehend. Thank you for leading us into a time where more of reality is being unveiled for us all to see. We pray that you take away our natural temptation for cynicism, denial, fear, and despair. Help us have the courage to awaken to greater truth, greater humility, and greater care for one another. May we place our hope in what matters and what lasts, trusting in your eternal peace and love. Listen to our heart's longings for the healing of our suffering world. And tonight we say a special prayer for Jerry Hawk, who has decided to journey back to you, Lord. We pray that she have a safe and peaceful journey home. And we pray that you soften and heal the hearts of all those who love her and will miss her. And we always pray, dear good God, in all of the names that represent you in our world. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much for all that you brought. Your soul, your, your personage, your work, your passion, all of who you are. You're a great gift to all of us. So thank you. You live it well. And I can tell in my heart that you walk it. You walk. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 